The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the verdict that the light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives the truth comes to the light so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. We rarely speak of it at any length in our modern age, but the more one engages early writings uh, about this time of year, this season of Easter and the mystery of the resurrection of the Lord, one comes across something remarkable in Christian poetry and song. And that is the repeated references to the breaking out of prison. The resurrection as a prison break. And note how that idea parallels in no small measure what we see in our first reading today, which involves quite literally a prison break. The apostles are arrested, and so the successors of Jesus are arrested. They are seized, they are dragged away, and locked in the public jail. And note the parallel. When the Lord Jesus gave his life on the cross, and the body is taken down, what happens? It is placed in the tomb. The, the stone is rolled across the entrance as if it were a massive door. The seal is affixed on the stone, and then we hear that guards are assigned, like it's a jail. And why are they assigned? Because of the fear that the body will be taken away and word of the resurrection will go forward. And so note, we close the body in behind the massive stone. We seal it like locking a door, and we post a guard because we do not want word of a resurrection moving forward. And what do we see happen on Easter Sunday morning? We hear that an angel comes, rolls away the stone, and we discover that the Lord wasn't in the tomb he'd already left. The stone, the seal, the guard were 
powerless to stop the resurrection of the Lord. They are powerless to stop the movement of salvation. They can do nothing against the authority of the risen Jesus. Note how remarkable that is. And what does St. Matthew say? That when the angel rolled away the stone and sat on top of it, and the obviousness of the resurrection strikes them, the guards are overcome with fear and fall. Because the news of the resurrection is greater than they can bear. And what do we see in our first reading? That the Sanhedrin is troubled because this word of the resurrection of Jesus is greater than they can bear, greater than they can endure, that the power that the Lord is asserting through the preaching of his chosen apostles is winning hearts, working wonders, and producing a way of living that they find And note how the inspired scriptures also then speak of a certain jealousy as being their motivation. These uneducated men are winning more hearts than they are, have an authority with the people that they do not have, and apparently a closeness to the Lord that is not theirs. And rather than humbling themselves, out of jealousy, they act with a certain violent anger to remove those who are a threat. Note how hard the heart it must be for this. And what do they do? They bring them to the public jail. They close the heavy door. They lock it as if putting a seal on it. And they post a guard. Note how wonderfully similar these things are. And what do we see happen? There's an angel who comes. And the angel, however, doesn't come to open the door in the presence of the guards. The angel comes to deliver the apostles who are locked away behind that door as if enclosed in the darkness of a tomb. And what do we see happen? They pass through to freedom. in a way that the guard who is posted doesn't even know. Nothing is disturbed, the seal is unbroken, the door is unlocked, and yet somehow the apostles are brought to freedom. And what does the angel say? Do not be silent, but proclaim this word. And so once again, the insistence is the word of the resurrection, the word of victory must be announced. And we see this amazing parallel then. All of a sudden, the Sanhedrin the next day is assembled. They want to have their show trial. And so they send to have these men brought out of prison only to discover there's the guard, there's the door, and it's locked. And just like on Easter Sunday morning, when the door is opened, they're already gone. Note how this incident in the life of the early church is a, not an accidental parallel of the event of the Lord's own resurrection. In fact, 
It's a sign of how much the church truly is the body of Christ. Just as the grave could not hold the body of Jesus, so too this earthly jail is insufficient to hold and enclose the mystical body of the Lord, which is gifted with his victory and entrusted with the word to be preached. What a marvelous parallel that is. To see how in its early days the church really does show forth the Lord, show forth his victory, not just with a word of proclamation, but in fact, it mirrors the victorious leaving of the prison of the tomb in this incident with the jail. And why is that important? Because the simple fact of the matter is this prison break imagery, which was used to explain and understand the resurrection, has a very real reason behind it. The human race, without Jesus Christ, moves toward the grave, and when one goes to the grave, one doesn't leave. There one remains. One is locked away, imprisoned in death, imprisoned in darkness, imprisoned in woundedness. Without Jesus Christ, this is the fate of man. This is the fate of the world. And who is the Lord then? He is that one who enters that prison, unbars the door, and sets the captives free. And that is very much the mission of the church in the world, to continue unbarring those doors, to continue freeing those captives. It's no accident that when Jesus designates St. Peter as the first among the apostles, he speaks about giving him keys to unlock or to lock, to unlock chains, to unlock cell doors to set those who are in bondage free. Note how wonderful that is. And how we see that manifested in this marvelous incident from the Acts of the Apostles. And how we see this then reflected in the words of Jesus to Nicodemus as this conversation in the dark of night continues. And this entire dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus, as we noted yesterday, must be understood and heard in that context of the first verse, which says, Nicodemus came to him at night when it is dark. And we see once again this great theme of darkness and light, which runs through the Gospel of St. John from chapter 1 right through the gospel. And here we are in the third chapter. And note how the Lord once again comes back to this issue of light and darkness with regard to how we relate to him. Jesus here quite clearly again emphasizes his uniqueness. God sent his son because he loves the world. And he sent his son to save the world, not to condemn it. And so again, we see that the Lord 
who is quite capable of pronouncing a negative judgment, pronounces the positive choice to save, to be merciful. And he expresses that merciful choice in the sending of his son so that the world might know to whom it can look to be saved. This one comes into the world for the sake of the salvation of man. So that all who believe in the Son, who respond to the Son, have salvation. But then note what he says. And those who refuse to believe have already been condemned. Not so much by a judgment of God, but by themselves. They condemn themselves by their rejection of the salvation that the Lord holds out to them. Note how decisively, then, Jesus speaks about himself. One has to get his or her relationship with Jesus Christ correct. Because Jesus is the one and only means of salvation for the world. He is the one and only Savior. He is the only begotten Son of God, not one among several. And so he is that one through whom life is given. He is that one through whom life is restored. He is that one that opens up the pathway to eternity itself. And the Lord continues. The problem, however, is this. Light has come into the world. Note the implication, the Lord saying, and that would be me. I am that light. So here's Jesus again speaking to Nicodemus, and it's nighttime. It's dark. And the Lord says, and I am the light that cuts through all darkness. Here in the dark, as you speak to me, the true light is sitting right in front of you. The problem, however, is, and we see this with the Sanhedrin in our first reading, what does the Lord say? Light has come, but men prefer darkness. And they don't desire the light as much as they might say they do. They don't desire the light because the light reveals the truth about themselves. And they don't want to face the truth of their own wickedness. They don't want to face the truth of the fact of their own evil. They would rather remain in darkness and flee from the light so that they can remain unchanged in their wickedness. And so that they can continue to conceal the wickedness of their hearts that no one else might see it clearly even though it is there. And note how this too has echoes elsewhere in the gospel. What did we see? What did we see on Good Friday as Jesus is presented to the people and Pilate says, shall I free your king? And what do we hear? No, not this one. The light has come into the world and men would not accept it. 
because their works are evil. Give us Barabbas instead. Give us the revolutionary, the murderer, the man of violence, the man of action, not this one. We want another. Even on the day he saves the world, we see this same dynamic assert itself, the preference for someone other than the one that God has given us. So Jesus, as he's speaking to Nicodemus, has no illusions about how all of this goes. In fact, it's a fundamental dynamic of his presence among us. He is the one that God has given us. He is the one that God has sent, but he is not necessarily the one we want. He's not necessarily the one the world prefers. And notice, however, though, that that is not a negotiable matter for the Almighty. But this is the one. And so Jesus remains insistent, and I am that one. And the heart that loves truth, the one who loves goodness, on seeing the light, on sensing the nearness of the light, wants nothing more than to approach so that the truth of the heart can be revealed. And that the goodness that God has stirred up and begun to produce in that life might be seen, might be seen not merely as personal goodness, but as a goodness that comes from and honors the Lord himself. How wonderful that is. And now note the contrast. Note the contrast. There's something about the apostles which has that threatening character of the light. There's something about the good that is coming into the world through their preaching and their witness. And what do we see writ large in our first reading? Men continue to prefer darkness to light and will do what they can to extinguish light rather than change their own hearts but we see how futile that really is in the end because the stone, the seal, and the guard were powerless at the tomb. And the door, the lock, and the guard were powerless at that jail. Note how wonderful that is. And it is that same Lord Jesus Christ who burst through the seal and the prison bars of death itself for our salvation, who will be here on this altar. Because the stone, the seal, and the guard are insufficient to prevent him from saving you, insufficient to prevent him from drawing near to you. But why do we have this? Because likewise, the door, the lock, and the guard are not sufficient to prevent the apostolic ministry from giving us this sacrament 2,000 years later. Note how wonderful that is. What we do here at Mass is the continuation of the work of those men who could not be held by the door, the lock, or the guard. And there is great cause for rejoicing in that truth. Amen.